hello out there thank you so much for tuning in to the sarah connor chronicles tonight i want to discuss some really scintillating stuff with you guys i want to discuss the science behind sexual attraction between male and female more or less physical attraction i think would be the better way to put it um just kind of discuss some of the science behind it maybe take a little bit of the stigma out of it so the first thing I want to touch on is men's obsessions, men's obsession with breasts. <laughs> like, what is it? What is it with boobs and guys? Guys love boobs. So that one is kind of obvious, and I think if anybody you know knows basic anatomy, kind of kind of can understand why guys are guys are obsessed with boobs. It go all goes back to our caveman days when our number one objective was to make more humans and make sure that those humans had the best possible chance at survival that we could provide. And that started with how we picked out our mate and who we mated with. So back in the day, you know, the caveman, when he's picking out a woman to impregnate, uh, he's, he's, he's hitting all the check marks. And one big check mark for, check mark for primitive man was boobs. Large, sure, but healthy was was the bigger deal. Are they proportionate? Are they large enough to fill with milk? The bigger the better, but are they healthy breasts? Are they well shaped? Are they well proportionate? And this is why nearly every straight man has some sort of attraction to boobs, and this is what their obsession is. It's not because they didn't breastfeed or they did breastfeed. It's just a primitive instinct it's really an instinct for them to be attracted to boobs now one that a lot of people don't understand is butts why are men so obsessed with butts most men just like boobs have a thing for girls posteriors now that's also a very understandable reason that takes us back to the caveman days so when you become pregnant as we all know I mean I got two kids I I get it. You, you that belly starts to grow, you're gonna tip over a lot easier. <laughs> Am I right, ladies? Yeah, I, I'm right. <laughs> I mean, you get top heavy around around nine months. You're like thinking if you stand up off the couch too quick, you are gonna fall over on the rug. <laughs> so to counteract that, it would be nice to have a weight in the back. So when guys who are basically, you know, who, who really like butts, are looking at your butt to make sure that it is big enough in comparison to the rest of you so when you get pregnant, you don't fall over from being top heavy and hurt that baby that he impregnated you with. Again, survival of the offspring. And that, that goes back to our caveman days as well. And a lot of the things that men are attracted to on women, like uh, even legs, your legs are strong, well-built, long, you're going to be able to escape predators easier as you're carrying his baby. You're going to be able to carry the baby better. And it's something that kind of seems almost a little condescending to women, but at the end of the day, the science between physical attraction between a man and a woman is primitive. It's there to further further the, the species. That's not to say, though, that we have not evolved to the point where we 
not completely run by our instincts. Thank God, or I would not be married. <laughs> um, we're not completely run by our instincts, but at the end of the day, the things that are our driving physical attraction are usually due in large part to our primitive instincts. All right, so we've touched on men's, you know, some of men's uh, attraction to women. But there's also a lot to be said for us ladies. We are not as, uh, let's see here, emotionally driven as we may think we are. So when we are picking out a guy that, uh, you know, we think is attractive, there's a lot of factors that go into that. But a lot of those factors are driven by a primitive instinct of will he be a good provider, a good hunter, which is provider, but back in the day it was hunter. So will he be a good hunter, will he be a good protector, and will he be a good uh, fighter? And another thing that's kind of embarrassing to admit, but we've all thought it, <laughs> is he going to be able to mate efficiently? Now that one's very important because if he can't mate, there won't be an offspring to protect <laughs> or provide for. So that, that goes along with the parts of the body that we are attracted to. Now, you know, there's there's the stereotypical, oh, he's got a great ass, you know. A lot of women like butts, thighs, chests. But there's one that a lot of women are attracted to but probably don't even know it. And I didn't really even realize it until I, I started to do some research on this subject. The, the thing that a lot of women are drawn to on men is collarbones. I know. <laughs> it's a really weird thing to be attracted to, but collarbones are actually a very attractive uh, area on a man to a woman because a well-set collarbone leads to broad shoulders. Broad shoulders lead to a well-set, thick, strong neck that holds up, you guessed it, that chiseled jawline. The chiseled jawline and that well-shaped head leads to eyes that are well-set, that can spot danger and prey. So he'll be a good hunter, a good provider, in other words, and a good protector if he has well-set shoulders. And that's why a lot of women go for that, you know, manly, big, well-built type. That's not to say that, you know, We've already established that. We, we are modern, evolved, civilized human beings. And it's, these are not steadfast rules. These are just instincts. I'm just talking about the primal drive. And then, with that being said, with the collarbone, then you go down to why are we attracted to butts and thighs? So, butts and thighs work together. A guy with nice, strong, thick thighs while you're not thinking it in your mind, in your front conscious mind, in your subconscious, your primal mind, you're saying he's going to be able to mate efficiently. Uh, that The same goes with a guy who has a really tight butt. You're thinking, okay, he's going to be able to efficiently impregnate me. That's what's going on in your primal mind. Also, a guy with a nice muscular butt and good muscular thighs will be able to run very fast. So he'll be able to 
run to shoot that buffalo down to provide for this baby. And he'll be able to run to attack or from an adversary and keep us safe. So that being said, that's, that's a little bit of um, the different things that women are attracted to on guys. And, and the same, same goes for like chest and pecs. Like, so if you think it's pecs, that would say that you are, um, your primal mind is more concerned with the operation of the arms. And that goes along with the broad shoulders and being a good hunter-gatherer, a good provider. And it's a little more of a, you know, being able to use tools. So maybe your primal mind is a little bit more civilized than the rest of us. I'm joking. I think it, it all goes along with the primal instinct and the caveman drive behind physical attraction. And I think that also goes to say that it is very natural to be attracted to somebody who has a little bit of weight on them. Because, I mean, what does that say? That says that you're providing well for yourself or you are provided well for. And so why wouldn't that be attracted, attractive that, you know, you're, you're eating good, so you must be a really good hunter? Seems legit to me. And if you're really, really skinny, I mean, I could see that being reasonable where you're like, well, you must get a lot of exercise because you're out hunting, providing. So I, I think that any, really any attraction, no matter what, has its roots in basically our caveman past. It's just like the keto diet. You know, I hear a lot about this and, and I've heard it, it's, it's a great thing. You know, I don't know a whole lot about it, so I'm not really going to touch on my opinion on it. But a lot of the, um, the science behind it and the argument for it is that it goes back to our hunter-gatherer days where we didn't have access to fruits and vegetables. We were literally eating meats and fat. And it makes sense to me, honestly. It, it really does because I think, I think as modern civilized people, we've gotten way far away from our caveman roots, to be honest. And I think if we were to get back in touch with the, our caveman roots, our lives would be a lot simpler and I think we would have a lot less depression and anxiety um, with all the options we have in electronics and how easy our lives really are. I mean, back then, if you didn't get up and hunt, you didn't eat. Not to say that I'm not very grateful for my modern life, but I mean, if you think about it, that's how we were, we were made to live. And I think a lot of mental issues and even physical issues go into the way we are living and the options that we have and just the endless stimulation, I think. And that's, a, that's something that's near and dear to my heart, you know, um, depression, anxiety, and, and mental, mental disorders, I think, are really have their roots in getting away from how we were meant to live. But I'm getting a little bit off topic there I still want to go into a little bit more of the physical and emotional attraction between men and women. So there's also this little thing that kind of goes along with what I'm talking about with, um, you know, the primitive man. Um, primitive man, I don't think, had a very understandable or common language 
and they were very animalistic. So a lot of what they did was through like, you know, scent like animals, pheromones. Pheromones are a huge thing. They, they play a big part in male female sexuality and sexual attraction. So when you're ovulating, that's the time of month when your body is releasing an egg. That is when you are the most fertile. And that is when you are most likely to get pregnant. And during that time of the month, it, annoying as it may be, ladies, <laughs> I know we don't want the extra attention, but our bodies are like, yo, you need to get pregnant up in here. <laughs> and you're like, no, I do not. <laughs> your body actually sends out a pheromone that men can pick up on. They don't have to be interested in you. They don't have to even notice you, but they can smell it. They don't know they can smell it, but they get all worked up and they start, you know, they, they get pretty, pretty horny when they smell it. Um, it's just a thing that our body does from our caveman days that tr is a trick to try to ensure the furthering of the, of the race. And it's funny to me because, you know, you can, you, you can be as put off by it as you want, but during ovulation, you're probably going to get hit on a little bit more because there's also this other real weird trick your body plays on you. So you know how any other time of the month, you're a little dragging, maybe your hair doesn't want to cooperate, your skin's all broke out, whatever. Well, during ovulation, your skin clears up, you basically start to um, your face becomes more symmetrical and you have more energy, you're more social, you are more attractive and you are more attracted. So if you're not usually, you know, have that much of a sex drive, during ovulation it will be higher than usual, generally. I mean, there's always disorders and exceptions to the rules, but there's a lot of studies out there that would back this up. And I think it's really amazing because, you know, it's said that humans don't have a heat cycle. Well, we absolutely do. And that's our ovulation through menstruation cycle is, um, that's basically our heat cycle is when we're, we're ovulating. And if you can track ovulation, you can get pregnant or avoid pregnancy very easily. And it's, it's not always easy to track your ovulation. Some women have a lot easier time tracking it than others. Um, but if you're one of those lucky women who knows exactly when they do, it's so easy to get pregnant or to not get pregnant. Uh, but always, you know, always use protection. But um, uh, the pheromones have always been just absolutely incredibly fascinating to me that we send off these little envelopes full of sexual information to basically to the opposite sex and they receive it and they know they've received it but they don't know they've received it they've received it in their subconscious and it makes them act differently in their their conscious mind so that that's always interested me and uh, i think it's a thing that a lot of people don't know about because it's also plays a part in people when you have a crush on someone you put off basically the same pheromones and they understand that you have a crush on them without you ever saying anything. It is so weird. And it's like your body is betraying you. You're like, come on. 
Really? I'm over here, like, trying to be all coy. Oh, I don't like you. And then your body's like, yo, brother, she wants you. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's just, that ain't right. Uh, so with pheromones, you know, they're, they're something that enters through our nose. And they tell us things about our surroundings. Um, you can even buy perfumes and colognes with pheromones on in them which is just, oh man, I think it kind of sends the wrong signal because you're over there like sending, hey, your hot signals to the wrong people. <laughs> now something that would be really interesting to me that I think I might do some research on is if you're, if you have a crush on somebody, can only they smell that they, those pheromones or can everybody in the room smell it? And do they know who it's directed at? Because I, I've had this happen where, you know, I've had a crush on it and they know, and I know that they have a crush on me, we never did anything about it, but like, we never said or like, did anything about it, but we knew, and it was definitely because of pheromones. I just wonder if everyone around them can smell it as well, but they know who is directed. It, it just, it, a lot of it doesn't make sense, but it does make sense. And it's scientifically proven, the pheromone thing. Um, and I think that probably when you when you meet somebody that is like the one, those pheromones drive you to pursue. And I, I definitely think that's what happened with my husband and I, because he thought, you know, he thought I wasn't even interested in him, yet he still gave me his phone number and believed I would call him. And I, I really think that the reason was because I was giving off those pheromones. But, you know, I could be wrong. And that's that's kind of leads us into our next topic of uh, how we get to know our sexual partners. So after the pheromone stage, obviously, um, that one is kind of lasts the entire time you're together. But after the pheromone stage, when you've, you know, <laughs> expressed your mutual adoration and attraction um, you generally the first sexual encounter that you have with somebody is kissing and that's usually what leads to sex whether it be the first time you kiss leads to sex or you know a year from the first time you kissed so I know this is very common and it's it's just a thing is the quote-unquote honeymoon stage a lot of people call it the honeymoon stage this stage is where you're kissing each other, you're holding each other, you're just so in love, you're constantly exchanging saliva, right? Well, you probably just think, oh, that's just a gross honeymoon stage. Well, actually, it's not. It serves a very important purpose in the furthering of the human race. So when you get somebody you're attracted to and you start to kiss, this is why some kisses have fireworks and some don't. So kiss that has fireworks, whether you know it or not, you are tasting your partner's DNA and you are deciding in your subconscious, obviously, this is not any of this, is not in your conscious mind. You are deciding, your body is deciding if you are genetically compatible with this person. And you keep tasting them and it takes a while to basically get enough genetic material 
to make that decision in, in your subconscious. And that is why we kiss and exchange so much saliva at the beginning of relationships is because we are solidifying that genetic bond. And sometimes it is right, sometimes it is not. And then um, that kind of goes along with as you're together longer, you stop making out like high school kids because you don't need to constantly check the DNA of somebody you've already matched with, if that makes sense. That, I mean, that being said, that doesn't mean that you don't still make out like high school kids and that you're not still in love and still kiss because kissing is an emotional and physical expression of love. It's not just a physical tasting method. I mean, it's weird. <laughs> but it goes back to our primal caveman days. Of that's how we needed to see if our genetic material could mesh viably and result in a viable, healthy offspring. And obviously, I mean, sometimes that doesn't always work because, um, you know, there are handicapped people that are born due to genetic issues. And that's just part of nature, you know? Sometimes it just doesn't work out. But for the most part, that's the science behind kissing and, like, basically tasting your partner. And I think that has a lot to do with this is just opinion, but I think that has a lot to do with like semen and things like that. What tastes okay to you and what doesn't, <laughs> but that also has a lot to do with diet. So, I mean, we'll get into that on another podcast, but that, um, I think it all kind of plays in. I think it's all intertwined. I, I just think that, uh, the, the science behind physical attraction between, uh, male and female is, just so interesting to me because there's so many different types that people are attracted to and I, I truly believe that the attraction to different types of people has to do with our genetic makeup like you know maybe small boobs run in this guy's family so he needs to mate with a woman who has larger breasts or but you know the same thing or maybe a woman comes from a family of weak weak-built men, she needs to mate with a stronger, stronger-built man. I don't know. Um, but I do know one thing, that the law of the daughter marries her father, that one, that one rings pretty true. I, uh, I thought that I would never marry somebody who looked like my dad, and I was convinced I hadn't until I looked back on the pictures from our wedding and my dad and my husband were standing side by side in almost the exact same suit. And it was shameful how much they looked alike. <laughs> of course, my dad has bright blue eyes. My husband has these gorgeous seven, uh, seven colored like gray green eyes, but um, they're, they're very similar. And I think that has to do with um, primal instinct as well uh, from experience. You know, I like shorter men because my dad was short. And I think that definitely has experience. Uh, I don't like tall men because I've been mistreated by tall men. I don't know. Could be primal. It could just be a weird thing that I have too. But I hope that, uh, you know, you've taken away some good thoughts from this. Maybe do some of your own research. 
might help to uh, alleviate some of the, the, you know, stigmas behind uh, physical attraction. It has really nothing to do with uh, you or if you're lesser than or, or better than. It's really all about, I think, what geographical uh, area that your partner is originating from, that their genetic makeup and our, the primal instincts that have been put into them by that geographical area, that, that's probably all it is. It's, um, it's not really anyone's better than anyone else. So with that being said, I certainly appreciate your ear. I hope you tune in next week. We're going to have a very interesting discussion about how your diet affects how you smell, how you taste, and how you feel. So please turn tune in next week and give me your ear for a cool 30 minutes. And I promise you won't be sorry. Thank you. Have a great day. Bye.